Good morning, everybody. It is a pleasure to be gathered together in Jesus' name when, uh, when God's people come together. I'm grateful to be here. It's a privilege to be able to fill the pulpit this morning in Sam's absence. If, you, if, if we haven't met, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Pastor, I'm the missions pastor. So really, you know, I, there's a whole team of people that... that lead this body in the mission that God has given you. So, you know, we don't do all the missions. We just help mobilize the body to fulfill the mission that we've been given. But I'm the missions pastor. And then I'm over the children's ministry. And that's kind of the same thing. There's like a whole team of super specialized, awesome, gifted individuals who are making disciples out of taking children and turning them into disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ here in our kid town and our prayer pack ministries. And really, I just kind of superintend and approve things because there's such a sweet, gifted, like first round draft pick team running that ministry. It's so good. And then I do a few other things. I'm also the leader of, of the Living Well class that we meet out here in the annex at 1045. That's why like some of you is like, I, I don't even know some people. I get asked, like, are you new here every once in a while? <laughs> like, well, no, I'm one of your pastors, actually, like I've been here for a minute, but, but um, we're out there at this time every week, and, you know, what have we been doing out there anyway? You kind of wonder that, like, what, what are, okay, so what we've been doing out there in the Living Well class at 1045 is we've been studying for most of the last year Psalm chapter 119. We've been in a series going through this one chapter for a long time, and, and I don't know what you know about, about Psalm 119. You might, you might be turning there in your, in your Bibles. That's where we're going to be, and if you don't have a handout, just raise your hand, and we'll get you one of the handouts for this morning. But what we've been doing as we study Psalm 119 is we've just been going through this chapter eight verses at a time. Okay, so, uh, you know, Psalm 119, there's eight different terms, or they're not really synonyms, but that's probably the easiest way to think of it, eight different synonyms for the, the Word of God. It's His commandment, His testimonies, His statutes, His law, His Word, and just and so on. And there's eight different terms like that, and just over and over and over and over again, Throughout this one chapter, we see those terms used again and again and again. Now, the, it's an alphabet acrostic. Okay, I don't know if you know what that means, but what that means is, is it goes through the whole alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, starting like, you know, A to Z. Now, each of those letters gets eight verses. So the first eight verses of Psalm 119 all start with Aleph, start with the A. And then the next eight verses all start with, with the B, and it just works its way through the whole Hebrew alphabet. What we get, all of those verses except for three, talk about one of those eight terms, those eight synonyms for the Word of God. And what we find in Psalm 119 is this is the passage of full mention in the Word of God about the Word of God. Now what we mean by that is, if you want to know what God says about a particular topic, you go to the passage of full mention in Scripture, and then from there you can com compare other things. Now, Psalm 119 is that passage of full mention, and it's like, if you know, it's like God's Word. And as we've studied through this, okay, we're kind of toward the end of the series. In fact, in fact, okay, so so 22 letters, eight. Verses each, that's 22 times 8, carry the two. Okay. That's 176 verses. And we are on verse number 176. So this is actually the last week of a series which has taken us most of the year. And I just we're just going to finish it out together as a group. And that may sound a little bit strange. Like, hey, I've been reading this book, and I want to read the end of it with you. And so we go to the last page, and it's like, and they lived happily ever after. Okay, good. All right, we're done. And, 
And it's a little weird that we're concluding a study that, that we haven't all been a part of, but here's where I have peace in doing this. Okay, some of you actually probably know a lot about Psalm 119 because we are a church that you don't just come here to get fed. You come here to learn to feed yourself. You don't just come here to get a spiritual message. You are actually in training to learn the Bible for yourself. So some of you know a lot about Psalm 119. If I said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, some of you could say, by taking heed thereto according to the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that, yeah, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a, yeah, see, so you guys know Psalm 119. Okay, here's the other thing that gives me confidence in just going ahead and finishing up this series is, you know the Word of God, and it all just fits together. The more we study the individual parts of God's Word, the more we see it's all one comprehensive message, and it all fits together. So, so we're just going to finish up Psalm 119. Now, some things to know about it. Okay, it is a psalm. Now, now what's that mean? What's the word psalm mean in English? It's a song. God wrote you a song. How cool is that? And he wrote you a song about his word. It's not an academic dissertation. It's not a theological, you know, like article that you're supposed to be accountable for. Make sure, you know, it's not like that. God wrote you a song. And what we have found as we've studied through this psalm, this song, is that it's awesome. The psalmist says, my heart is in awe of your word. I mean, that's how I feel in studying through this. And what we find this song, it's not meant to be academic. It's meant to be, we could say it this way, experiential. Okay? So, so let's go to the next PowerPoint. So here, here we go. Here's what goes in the blank. It's not an academic passage that God gave you. It's experiential. It's supposed to be appreciated and experienced and interacted with. And so this song that we've been singing, we've been studying this thing for most of a year, and the theme is the Word of God, and there are variations on that theme, and it's been building and building, and it's come to a crescendo, and now we come to the very last verse of the full mention in the Word of God about the Word of God, the interactive experiential thing, and we've come to this last verse, and I'm so excited, and here's what we find, the great ending. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Okay, okay, wait, that's not quite, I have to confess, I'm not trying to be a critic of God's word. It's not for us to have an opinion over, it's really God's word, it's just for us to obey. But it's not quite what I was expecting. The ending to the song, it was like, you know, I thought it was going to be this, you know, and it just kind of, just kind of, oh, I've gone astray. Seek your servant. I don't forget your commandments. It just seems like not quite as triumphant a finish to the psalm as I thought it was going to be. Not quite as victorious. Like I thought it'd be something like, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Open thou my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. I kind of thought it was going to be like that because it's such a good song. Okay, so, so I have to confess, you know, I, I never doubted that God came to the right conclusion, that the conclusion of his psalm is what he means it to be, but I did have to work through why is it that the song just kind of ends like that. Okay, you guys, it's awesome. It is the right conclusion, and we just need God to open the eyes of our understanding to take this last verse of this great song and and just see what he wants us to see. So can we just pray together that he would open the eyes of our understanding to behold wondrous things out of his law? Are you guys with me? Let's do that. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and by your spirit. God, we just ask you to work in our lives. We confess to you, Father, we have the ability to just come to a service and then go home again. Oh, keep us from that. God forbid that we would come and meet with you and leave here unchanged. So Father, have your way in our hearts and minds. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So this verse, okay, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. 
Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. There's three parts to it. We're just going to work through these three parts and see if we can't get what God has for us this morning. This first section, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Now, before we even talk about what that is, you know it's bad. Like going astray, like that's really bad. That's, that's, uh, I've got a friend and they went astray and bad news. Like there's all sorts of drama. They are unhappy. They're like drugs and drama. It's really bad. They went astray and, and uh, bad relationships and bad time. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go astray. Hey, now hang on a minute. It says, uh, I have gone astray. Okay, we need to figure out what that's talking about. Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about your crazy friend. Your crazy uncle, that, you, you got someone in mind about going astray, or maybe, maybe that was you. You went astray. But what does God's word define? What does God mean when he says going astray? And luckily, we don't have to speculate. We, we have a passage, and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 50. We're going to spend some time here in Jeremiah chapter 50 because it explains for us very clearly what it means to go astray, to be lost sheep that goes astray. The context of Jeremiah 50, it's, it's the nation of Israel has been in, in captivity. And now Babylon, who has them in captivity, is going to be judged. And the nation of Israel is going to be restored. That's the context of this chapter. But here's what we see. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. My people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. Oh, look at that. Nice and neat and tidy. Lost sheep gone astray. That's what we want to know about. So here it is in this passage. Here's how lost sheep go astray. They have turned, uh, their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Now, before we get into the lost sheep going astray, I just want to point out, it says their shepherds have caused them to go astray. Okay, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 tells us that there were false prophets. Okay, there were false prophets back then. Jer okay, Jeremiah wasn't the only guy preaching. Ezekiel wasn't the only guy preaching. Daniel wasn't the only guy preaching. Those guys were preaching the truth. They were saying, listen, this judgment, we just need to take it. Just repent. It's going to be 70 years, it's going to be rough, but then listen, it's going to be okay. There were false prophets saying, you don't need to repent, you need to rebel. We're God's people, we're not being judged, and, and the prosperity gospel preachers. Back. Okay, so what happened was that Israel kept rebelling, they kept following the false prophets, and guess what happened? They got scattered like lost sheep. And so, so listen, there's always been and there's always going to be someone trying to lead God's people astray. From Genesis chapter 3, leading God's people astray, all the way to Revelation chapter 20. He gets out of the pit and he just leads. There's always going to be someone out there to lead God's people astray. But, but let's look at how this actually happens. They have turned them away on the mountains. Now, on the mountains is what I want you to write in the blank. And the reason I want you to put that in the blank, on the mountains, is because this, the story of the lost sheep gone astray doesn't start in the valley somewhere. It starts up on the mountains. And, and, and what does that mean? Okay, we, we, we can just do some quick uh, uh, studies here. Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. God has brought his people out of Egypt, verse 1, and Israel camped before the mount, Mount Sinai, and, is, and Moses went up unto God. So Moses goes up to the mountain, there he meets with God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob to tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto a mountain. Is that what it says? I brought you to a physical place. Is that what it says? No, no, no. Listen, I saved you out of the world. I saved you out of Egypt, and I brought you unto a religion. Is that what it says? Oh, I brought you unto a certain class or a certain activity. Is that what it says? No, I brought you unto myself. Okay, listen, they were brought to a mount, but the whole point here 
We're not saved unto a religion. We're not saved unto some certain activity. We are saved. God has brought us unto himself. Out of Egypt, unto God. And so why, well, what about all the mountains? Like, this is the same mountain, Mount Sinai, as Mount Horeb. I don't know if you knew that. But when Moses was out with his flock of sheep on Mount Horeb in the burning bush, you guys know that story? God says, hey, Moses, by the way, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. Why was that ground holy? Was it because, is, is there like a magic patch of ground? We should all become biblical archaeologists and we should all go find this magic patch of holy ground and we should put dirt in a cup and we could sell it to all the religious people who, who put credibility. Is that, is that the deal? Is that ground holy? Why was that ground holy? It's because God was there. It's God's presence, not just the fact that, that they're on a mountain. And so, so we're going to see here in just a minute that, that there is some actual, real, literal, historical things that happened on the mountains in Israel. But there's an application for us that, that we can't miss. Okay, because... This is actually an allegory. So, so God's people didn't actually transmorgify into a bunch of sheep, did they? Like they didn't actually turn into woolly animals and were like, ah. and then they running around. No, it's, they were lost sheep, but it's a metaphor. They were like lost sheep. And although there is a historical application that happens on the mountain, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, hey, by the way, those things that happened to them, those are examples for you, for your admonition. You need to pay attention to that because it applies to you. And it was their historical and their physical reality, but it's your spiritual reality. And that mountaintop, the sheep on the mountain, listen, that's you. And I just want you to think about the mountain for a second. And I want to get as close to heaven as I can. So without getting on an airplane or a rocket, how, if I go to the top of a mountain, I'm as close to God as I can be. And I've separated myself from the world. And I look down, it's like, oh, this city looks so small. And everything down there on earth, I've, I've separated from that. And if God comes down, the first place where God's going to meet me is right there on the mountaintop. And that's what we see. Moses, come up to the mountain. Abraham, come up to the mountain. Hey, Elijah, come up to Mount Carmel. Let me show you something. We'll bring the people to a point of decision on the mountain. And we have these mountaintop experiences. When you go to camp and it's so good, well, what happened? Well, you separated yourself from all the stuff that you normally entangle yourself with, and you just separate yourself unto God. And that thing is like, God's like, oh, there you are. I, come, I have brought you unto myself. We're saved unto a relationship. And the story of the lost sheep who's gone astray doesn't have anything to do with beer and brothels, cocaine and chlamydia. It has to do with God's people. Are they going to stay and abide on the mountaintop where God has brought them? See, I think about someone who's just got saved. And they're all just shiny. And they're so happy and their countenance is so good and the weight of their sin has recently been shed and they're so full of love and the difference between the old creature and the new creature is so evident and it's so cool. Here's this person full of joy because in, in God's presence is the fullness of joy. And you know they're saved because they, they're countenance and they're so, okay, and they've got the joy of their salvation and they've got peace. And then after a while, after a while, that kind of wears off. Now all of a sudden, they're still glad to be saved. They're still coming to church. But you know what? They've got some other things that they're dealing with. And no longer is the joy of their salvation sufficient. What happened? Look at, look at, look at this passage. They, <clears throat> they have gone from mountain to hill. Oh man, okay, mountains uphill, up here, a hill is down here. 
If the mountaintop that we've been brought to isn't a religion, it's not a physical place, but it's actually an abiding relationship with God where we've separated ourselves from the world and God is all we need. Let the God of my heart be the mountain where I run. Oh my goodness, and God's enough. And then we leave that place and and maybe we're still doing religious activity. Maybe we're still involved in ministry and we've got a Bible study and we do some stuff, but honestly, we've gone from the thing that our shepherd brought us to and we, we haven't gone all the way to the plains. It's not like I'm hanging out in Sodom and Gomorrah down there on the plains. I'm up on the hillside. I'm still doing pretty good. You know what? We've gone from mountain to hill. That's downward. Okay. Of course you did. That's what lost sheep do is they go astray. Okay, I want to I give you an illustration and it's kind of a riddle. All right. Now, before I give the riddle, I'm going to give the answer because I know some of you won't be able to contain yourselves. Okay. What color is the bear? Not brown. White. The, the bear is white. Okay. So for those of you who've heard the riddle, I, I, I just, I know you aren't going to be able to. So, so, okay. So here's the riddle. If I stand, if I'm standing somewhere and I take five steps to the south, and then I take five steps to the east and five steps to the north, excuse me, okay? Two, three, four, five. Okay, now if I am back where I started and a bear walks by, what color is the bear? And the answer is white. Why is it a white bear? Okay, the only place in the world where I can head south and then east and then back north and end up where I started is the North Pole. Okay, if I'm at the North Pole, this is an illustration, like it'll come around in a sec. Okay. (laughs) If I'm at the North Pole and I'm heading this direction and I start walking, what direction am I going? South. Okay, I'm at the North Pole and I'm, and I'm going this direction. I start walking. What direction am I going? Okay, in this direction. What, what direction am I going? No matter what direction you're facing, when you start walking from the North Pole, there is no other direction to go except south because you're up at the top. Okay, Jesus Christ, the shepherd of our souls, has brought us to the mountaintop, brought us to an abiding, intimate perfect relationship with God our Father. We are at the mountaintop, spiritually speaking. You know what we're not very good at? Abiding. Okay. The nation of Israel, literally, physically, they, they, they messed up on the mountaintop. They, they literally went from mountain to hill. And here's what happened in Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. God tells the people, listen, when you go to take the promised land with its physical mountains, you need to run the inhabitants off. You need to completely destroy the inhabitants. You need to tear down their idols and their groves, the altars that they've built up in the mountains, on the hills. Because listen, that'd be a snare to you. You're going to be tempted to worship and and fall into their pagan religions. You need to just knock all that stuff down. Okay, not only did they not do that, when they did enter the promised land and they did become a nation, look at 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 22 and 23. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they committed above all that their fathers had done. For they, this is God's people, Judah, they also built them high places and images and groves on every high hill and under every green tree. See, see, God had set up worship, but then they also set up these alternative places to worship. Some other options. Instead of abiding... And worshiping God as instructed, God's people started going 
to these other places and they provoked God to jealousy. Well, that's because they didn't simply abide in that place where God had them. If you're on the mountaintop with God and you start wandering around, I don't care what direction you go. You're going toward the world. You're going downward. You're declining spiritually. And even though that may be fine religious activity because you're a really busy person, whatever, listen, no, no, no. You're just finding alternative sources of satisfaction. You're just leaving that place that, that your shepherd has brought you to. And that's what we do. We get restless. We start moving around. And there's no, okay, we're bad at abiding. We'll just say it that way. First John chapter 2, verse 28 says that, that now little children abide in him that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Well, of course, of course, we're, we're like sheep. We wonder. We do that. We, we start to stray. And that's the problem. And the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 176, after studying God's word, writing the passage of full mention and his experiences with God, comes to this conclusion. I'm like a sheep. I, I've gone astray. Okay, it's not just an event to avoid going astray. It's a tendency that we have as humans. And this brings up key point number one. Knowing that straying away to restlessly wander in a worldly direction is not just event, it's a tendency. We must all realize, like the psalmist did, I, Chris, have gone astray as a lost sheep. Oh my goodness, that's what we do. That's the human tendency. And this brings us to our second point. The second point, seek thy servant. Now once again, once again, we find a corresponding passage in Jeremiah chapter 50 that helps us understand what's happening here where we see the shepherd restoring the sheep. So Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 19, And I will bring Israel again to his habitation, and he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan, and his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead, all those mountains that we see in Israel. So, so verse 19, this is something that the Lord does. Okay, our tendency is to go astray. You... You've already been brought to the relationship that God wanted you to have. And then what happened? Well, you just, I don't know. I just kind of wondered and I got busy and I got distracted. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm over here somewhere. Did you know that, that, that the nation of Israel, it got so bad that this was God's testimony. They have forgotten their resting place. You got a blank there for that? They forgot their resting place. See, they had a, it just turned into a lifestyle of busyness and restless activity. They just, they got so busy going from mountain to hill, going from here to there, trying to find something like the place that they left, that they forgot their resting place. I know there's people that have forgotten the joy of their salvation. And your relationship with God now is just really kind of busyness and restless activity. You don't even remember what it was like when you were first saved, when you were really separate from the world and God was enough. And you had all that you need because in his presence is fullness of joy. You forgot that. Oh, God forbid that we would forget our resting place and spend our lives busy in ministry. Huh. How about that? Okay, anyway, so, so our tendency is to get lost. Praise the Lord, we have Jesus Christ the Son of Man, which has come to seek and save that which is lost. I thank God that God showed me that I tend to get lost like a law. I don't lose my salvation, but I tend to wonder. 
You know, Christine tells a story about when she was a little girl and she and her friends, and they're all playing hide and seek. At least that's what Christine thought they were doing. We suspect Denise had set the whole thing up, okay? Because she's like that. Okay, used to be like that. Okay, Denise. Okay, Christine's hiding, and she was little, and she loved hide and seek because she could fit in these tiny places. And here's Christine hiding, and she just can't wait. She's like, I'm going to be the last one found. And then she's waiting, and, and no one comes, and she's starting to waiting, and she's starting to get bored. They still haven't found her. She starts to get irritated, and then she can hear something. She's like, oh. But it's not anyone coming to look for her. They were off playing in the yard, and they had either forgotten her, or they just decided to abandon her. And here's Christine, and she's hiding, and she's like, I don't think anybody's coming. I don't think anybody's looking for me. Nobody's, I'm hiding. Where's they're supposed to be seeking? It's hide and seek. Hello, I'm hiding, and nobody's seeking, and either they don't care, or they were just being mean, and this whole thing was a setup to get me out of the way. And then, and then she hears the footsteps. She's like, what, what? And, and her dad comes. I think she was like in a trunk or something. <clears throat> and takes the lid off and he goes, there you are. I've been looking for you. Oh my goodness. And Christine's like, oh, she's so happy. Because somebody had actually been looking for her. Somebody missed her. And that's what she needed. Okay, so listen, I'm a lost sheep and I've gone astray again. Oh, Lord. Okay, I hope I haven't strayed too far this time. I hope that rubber band hasn't broken. I hope I haven't wondered so long this time that nobody's missing me. You know, I haven't been to church in four weeks and not one person's called me. I don't think they know. I don't think they care. I don't know if God, you know, maybe he's, he's just going to say, Chris, I'm just going to harden your heart. You keep wandering away. I'm just going to give you what you want and I'm not looking for you anymore. Oh, Lord, seek thy servant. God, my tendency is to wander and I did it again. And I just, God, I'm humble now. And listen, would you seek your servant? It's like the prodigal son. God, I, I think I'm, you know, dad, I messed up the father-son thing, but maybe I could be your servant. There's humility there. You see that? And what we really need isn't to do what we do. The verse doesn't say, God, I, you know, I, I've wondered like a lost, I'm a lost sheep gone astray. It doesn't say, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to repent. I'm going to seek you now. That's not what it says. It says, Lord, seek your servant. You seek me. I've done what I've done, and that's the problem. God, I need you to do what you do. I need Jesus Christ to be my shepherd and to lead me back to the, to the good place, to the Psalm 23 where I can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, I don't lack anything. He's got, I've got pastures of green grass. I've got still waters. He restoreth my soul. That's what I need. And God, I've wandered off and I just, I'll follow you. If you just, will you seek me? Oh my goodness, Lord, seek thy servant. I've gone astray. And so listen, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, 22 and 23. Let's look at this mountain that we've been called to. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. Check this out. Comparing what we have spiritually to what Israel had historically and literally. Check it out. Verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion. Hey, that's our mountain, our spiritual mountain. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Well, that sounds awesome. I love that. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Hey, I want to be there when the roll is called up yonder. Woohoo! This sounds like an awesome group to be a part of. 
the firstborn which are written in heaven. But listen to this part. And to God. You are come unto God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Oh my goodness, we have come to God the Father. We have come to Jesus Christ. That's where our shepherd leads us to the spiritual thing, to this relationship. But if you're not lost, if you're not a sheep that's gone astray, you probably aren't going to have the proper motivation to follow the shepherd when he comes to, to, you know, get his staff, his crook, and they're like, and like pull you back. Are you ready to follow? You are if you realize you're a lost sheep and that's your tendency. When we're witnessing to people, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll... We'll go through the Romans road. We'll say, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See that? And they're like, yeah. Okay, the wages of sin is death. You see that? Yeah. Okay, listen. So, and, and then, well, what about you? Oh, no, I'm not a sinner. Well, okay, let's go over it again. All have sinned. Have you ever told a lie? Well, yeah, I've told a lie. Okay, what's that make you? A liar. Okay, so have you sinned? Well, yeah, I guess I've sinned. Okay, what's the wages of sin? And then you can sometimes just see this realization come upon him. Oh, we need the realization to come upon us. I'm a lost sheep. I go astray. That's my tendency. I need to follow my shepherd. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, verses 21 says, For he, even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Okay, listen, sheep, follow the steps of the shepherd. I know it's scary, but don't be a chicken. Be a sheep. You may not understand. Well, don't be a mule. Be just... Follow his footsteps. Why? Well, because verse 25. For ye were as sheep gone astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. This brings us to key point number two in our study. We need the shepherd of our souls to lead us to the place where we can't get to without him. Our activity tends to lead us to go from mountain to hill. A restless search for something that we can't get to by ourselves. We can only get there as we're led by the shepherd of our souls. Thank God that although my nature is to wander and stray, his nature is to come find me. He will seek me. He will bring me back. The question is just, am I done yet? Am I ready to now come back to that place of rest, that place of abiding? Okay, so, so the, the third section in our study this morning is for I do not forget thy commandments. Okay, so what does that have to do with what we've studied so far? And once again, we can find some insight in Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 33 through 37. Starting in 33, this is what we read. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the children of Israel and the children of Judah were oppressed together. So oppressive is what goes in your blank. So, so what happened was the nation of Israel, because of their rebellion, they were scattered. They went to different nations. They went to different places. And when they got there, their enemies took them captive. Okay, now remember, these things were written for our admonition. They're examples for us to learn by. Psalm 106, verse 36. Actually, we've got 34 through 37. 
Okay, so, so they, Israel, they did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them. We've already talked about that. They were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. They served their idols, which were a what? Snare. They stepped right into the trap of the enemy and they got snared. They thought they were going to a festival. They ended up ensnared. It got to the point they got so entangled and caught up in the dysfunction and the drama and the trappings and the snares of that thing. They ended up sacrificing their sons and their daughters unto devils. How did it get to be that bad? Well, they just went down the mountainside. They just started looking for some alternative things. They just wondered. They just went astray for a while. What they didn't know was the devil had a trap for them. Oh, my goodness. I don't, you know, I don't know how many of you have spent any time in the wilderness, but it's like, okay, God, I'm done. Whew, I don't want any more of that. No more snares and traps for me. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 says, But they that will be rich, mm-hmm, I can't wait to be rich, I'm going to work to get rich. I'm going to be a rich man. I'm going to be powerful. I'll get to do what I want when I want. Oh, yeah? You fall into temptation and a snare. Look, if I just climb the corporate ladder, and then if my wife just gets that advanced degree, and, and, and then we can be rich eventually, and it'll take all of our time, it'll take all of our energy, but it's okay. The kids can just be raised up by the government, that'll be fine. Fall into a snare, end up sacrificing our kids to the devil. How many people look back on their lives and say, oh man, I think that happened to me. God forbid that we would fall into these snares. Here's the point, though, that we need to see. When the sheep went astray, the enemy took them and captured them and put them into bondage. And it's the same thing that's true. When we go off and we go astray, you can end up ensnared and you can end up entangled. So here comes our Savior, our Shepherd. And it's like, oh God, oh thank you Jesus, I'm so happy to see you. I'm now willing and ready to follow. I've had enough of this life, I just want to get back to that abiding relationship and we start to follow the Lord and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm kind of addicted to stuff. Oh, wait a minute. I've I've got this employer. Wait a minute. My family is now on on my back and, and, and there's drama. Oh, wait a minute. Now I've got to deal with all these things and I feel like I've been entrapped and I feel like I'm in bondage to these things that happened and the world went out and I just thought I was going to a party and I end up entrapped, entangled with the affairs of this life. Oh Lord, okay, good news, good news. Verse 33 says that all that took them captives held them fast and refused to let them go. But, verse 34, their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He shall thoroughly plead their cause that he may give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon. Well, how does that work? And what's that have to do with not forgetting God's commandments? Well, let's continue to read 35. A sword is upon the Chaldeans, saith the Lord, and upon the inhabitants of Babylon and upon her princes, and upon her wise men. Verse 36, a sword is upon the liars, and they shall dote. A sword is upon her mighty men, and they shall be dismayed. A sword is upon their horses, and upon their chariots, and upon the mingled people that are in the midst of her, and they shall become as women. A sword is upon her treasures, and they shall be robbed. Listen, the word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And as we gratefully receive our shepherd and begin to follow him. I just, I've got this, this thing in my mind. So just picture with me. Okay, you've gone astray and you're just out there. You're on some hill just by yourself and you've realized, okay, it's not just that, you know, I'm a victim of my circumstances. I, I, I've gone astray. I know it. And then you, you ask the Lord, Lord, seek thy servant. And 
The Lord has graciously come and, and he's leading you back to that place. So you're following the shepherd on the trail back upward. Not always an easy trail, but it's a good trail. And so, the, so picture that. And then all of a sudden, the, your shepherd stops and, and he stops right at this spot where there's a idol worship, an altar and groves. And he's like, and you look at the spot and you're like, oh, that's, that's one of those things in my life. That, that's one of the things that led me astray. And that's something, that, that's something that wants to have power over me. And I just think about this shepherd. Now, now verse 34 says something. And I don't want to skip over it. The Lord of hosts is his name. Your shepherd, your gentle, loving shepherd who comes and gets you and he puts you on his shoulders. Okay, that's one bad dude. Don't mess with the shepherd. The Lord of hosts is his name. And that makes us think of what? Makes us think of Joshua chapter 5 when Joshua's getting ready to come into the promised land and he sees this guy. There's a guy standing there and he's got a sword in his hand. And he's like, who, who are you? Are you on my side, on their side? He's like, no, I'm the captain of the host. Sword in his hand. The Lord of hosts is the same guy as our shepherd who's leading us up. And, and then, you know what? You're following him and you look down and it's like you got a sword in your hand too. You, you've got a sword. Is my word not like a hammer? Is my word not like a fire? And just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, when you're walking with Christ and that word burns in your heart and you look over and that, that thing in your life wants to have dominion over you, it does not have dominion over you when you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and you live it out and you, you, you mm, faith in God's word, sin shall not have dominion over you. Thus saith the Lord, and you believe that and you get victory as you walk. But listen, it takes a sword to overcome the enemy which seeks to hold you captive. And this brings us to key point number three. The word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, is the weapon we use to cut down the enemy's strongholds in our lives as we follow our shepherd back up to our resting place. So we've got four points of application from the message that we have this morning. The first point of application is to realize you have gone astray. Psalm 119 isn't just theology that you're supposed to intellectually decide whether or not you agree with. It is experiential. God's word says that we have all gone astray. We are all like lost sheep. This is our tendency. And just like when you're given the gospel and you go, look, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. People are like, yeah. It's like, no, 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 wait a minute. Have you sinned? Oh, the lights come on. We need to realize we have a tendency to go astray. There's no other direction for us to go. That's just what we do. The bear is white. You might have to think through that. Okay, number two, confess that you have gone astray. It's not till we actually humble ourselves and say, God, I, I don't need in my life the thing that I can do. That's what got me in trouble in the first place. God, what I really need is only what you can do. I confess to you, God, I'm the problem and you're the solution. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to get back to what this thing was supposed to be all along, an abiding relationship. Okay, number three, humbly ask the shepherd of your soul to lead you back to the place of rest. And then number four, put your sword in your hand and upon the enemy strongholds in your life. Devil does not get to hold you captive. Not when we have a sword, not when we have a savior. So that's our message this morning. And, and by way of invitation, um, there may be some people here, and check this out. Here's a couple different things. One thing, you may have gone astray like a lost sheep in this way. You reached an age of accountability before God. 
and you're not a little kid anymore, just, just skipping across the surface of life. You came to an age of accountability, and you knew it was wrong, and you did it anyway. And you lost your relationship with God because your sin, and you've been separated from him like a lost sheep. And what you really need is for the first time ever to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, make him the shepherd of your soul, the bishop of your soul, and you need to be born again today. Now, I suspect there's more people in here who you've already been on the mountaintop. You've already been saved, but perhaps... You've kind of forgotten that you were saved unto a relationship, and you've been living like you were saved unto a religion. You've forgotten the joy of your salvation. It may be you've forgotten your resting place, and you don't even know what that's like anymore, and your life is really just like a restless activity trying to get back to something you don't even remember that you had and that you strayed away from. So, so this morning, we're going to have people up here. We're going to have some counselors. If you need to, to work through some of this stuff, I would urge you to come forward. Let's have the praise team come on up. And what we'll do is, is we'll close out in praise and worship. Then we'll go eat walking tacos. But before we do that, before we get the physical nourishment, I would just encourage you... We prayed, didn't we, that we wouldn't walk out of here the same way we came in. Do you know that his sheep hear his voice and they follow him? And I'm just saying, if you've heard God speaking to you this morning, don't be shy. Come forward. Let's close out in prayer and then we'll start with praise and worship. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. God, we are like sheep. It's what we do. And, and we just kind of wander off. And then sometimes we get into trouble. And God, would you seek your servant this morning? And God, would you bring us back to the place? And, and, and Lord, that's what we want. We want to be in a deep abiding relationship with you. And we confess to you, we're not very good at abiding all the time. And we're not very good at following sometimes but God for those here who Lord they're willing to realize and confess and just follow your lead God would you work in and through us by your word this morning we ask all this in Jesus name amen